This is CliffCentral.com. What are the three things that wound the hearts of men? And what are the biggest misconceptions about masculinity that society pushes on all of us? Welcome back to episode four of this exciting series in uh, everything man, masculine, manhood. And again, it's Craig Wilkinson here in the studio with my partner, Khalil Osiris. Carling Black Label is a proud sponsor of Man to Man Talks. Join us in standing up and saying no to woman abuse because enough is enough. Champions take action. Khalil, just so great to be back talking about this awesome subject. It's amazing. Uh, in between the time that we've done our first uh, recording of this, I've talked with a number of young men who, uh, who have said they cannot wait right. to participate in a broader discussion right. uh, around the topics that we're raising in this yeah. series. And so um, what was just really heartwarming for me was the number of young men that I've talked right. with who uh, who have expressed excitement and wow. and, and an a- absolute um, craving yeah. for this kind of conversation to happen with them. So uh, again, uh, I'm grateful um, for the opportunity for us to be doing this as man to man talks. It's it's wonderful. I mean, what you're saying just reminds me. We we do a lot of work in you do a lot of work in prisons and schools. I've done a lot of work in schools and universities, and the number of times that I've seen young men, you know, I'm, I'm talking teenage. Uh, young young men, boys, and we start talking into their lives as older men, and just say, you know, you've got what it takes. You, you're the man. They just come alive. There's, as you said, there's just a hunger. There's a craving. I mean, I never forget the story. Many years back, maybe not that long, five six years ago, we were at a camp and we were doing this this process of calling each other out as men. And I had the the privilege of calling out a guy called Patrick, and uh, he was a 62 year old man. And uh, part of the process was I put my hands on his shoulders and I looked him in the eye and I said, Patrick, as a man, I see you a man. I acknowledge you a man. You stand here as a man amongst men. And and tears just started pouring down Patrick's eyes. He was just um, – then he started sobbing. And, you know, we just gave him space to do that. I mean, that's one thing us yes. men are not good at doing is <laughs> crying and watching other men cry. But he cried and cried. And at the end of it, he said, uh, he said Craig, you know, you spoke to something in me that I never knew existed. He said, all my life I've carried this desire to be validated and affirmed by a man, and I never had it. And, and, and this just opened up something. Absolutely. And the, and the fact that um, it's okay yeah. to um, share your heart in that kind of way, to, to be open and honest about the kind of um, uh, emotional needs that we have as men that uh, can be addressed in ways that are healthy and that grow us as men, right, and inspire us as men, right, to uh, reach for our higher angels, yeah, uh, to open ourselves up to um, new possibilities about how we can express manhood, our masculinity, and be an example and or as, as a role model for other young men in particular. But we must never lose sight of the fact that also there are a number of of, of older men. Yeah. Even elderly men who have never had the opportunity mm. to participate in this kind right. of conversation. I mean, you know, like you and I, I mean, we're we're in our 50s. So uh, we were raised in that generation where uh, big boys don't cry and uh, you, you don't you, you don't have a lot of conversation with your father about these kinds of things. Because right. they're busy working and providing and doing all the things, other things that are important. But uh, increasingly, we're seeing a need. Um, by all men of yeah. every age group yeah. 
to embrace the fact that uh, this is vital uh, for right. our personal well-being. Right. It doesn't take away from your manhood, masculinity, or strength in any way. Not at in all. In fact, it enhances it. You know, we, we started in the last podcast talking about how um, men are wounded. And, we, and we, I think we, we quoted the John Eldridge quote that says, Every boy in his journey to become a man takes an arrow in the center of his heart in the place of his strength. And because that wound is very rarely discussed and even more rarely healed, every man carries a wound. I, I remember you telling me a story um, of when you, you wanted to work out with your dad. Yes. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that was a moment for you of, 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 a, of, a, of a deep wound. I mean, sh- share that story. Absolutely. I, I mean, first of all, I'd always loved sport. And uh, being athletic and uh, understanding that um, it, it required of me something extra than my, uh, my God-given talent. One of the coaches who um, really kind of mentored me uh, would always suggest that, look, do the extras. It's, it's, it's not what you have. It's, it's what you're able to develop out of what you right, have. Right. Do the extras. And so there were a group of boys who all of us agreed that uh, we would meet and do workouts, and we'd all convince our dads to come because mm. we thought that was just kind of like a, a, a big thing. Mm. And, you know, boys also want to show off when their dads are there. Right. So it would uh, kind of motivate us at a different level. And uh, so this group of friends I had, they uh, all went and asked their dad would they come. And I went to my dad and I said, uh, Dad, I, you know, I, I, would you come and work out with me? We're, we're going over and we're doing this uh, – uh, these extra activities for the for the sport team, and he, and he looked at me. He says, "Boy, I don't I don't work out. I work." Hmm. And I I was so wounded by right. something. I mean, I know that he did not intend sure to hurt me in saying that. I'm yeah. crystal clear. I I I couldn't have had a more loving father. Right. It, it, understanding that uh, his priority was on providing, hmm. and for him in in that generation. Nothing was more important than providing for your family. And so he committed himself uh, wholeheartedly to that. But when I had a need uh, that went beyond his his providing for the family and expressed that, just um, his failure to grasp the importance of that for me at that time um, was hurtful. Yes. And – uh, fortunately, uh, over the years, uh, I had a, a, an opportunity to come to terms with, you know, how important his contribution was right. uh, as a father and providing. But one of the lessons I took from the key lesson I took from that experience is with my own sons. I, I mean, we we actually have a kind of pack where uh, I always keep myself fit and I'm ever prepared Right. To work out with them. And in fact, right, right. I always uh, say to them, there will be some exercise that I'm able to do, no matter if I'm 90, that will exceed <laughs> what, they what, can do. what they can do. So uh, so yeah. what I did was, it, to, to make it simple for myself, was I looked at the exercises uh, that they least like to do. And the you one you I focus did, on those. Oh, I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's my strength. So my, for me, it was uh, sit-ups. Mm. I knew that sit-ups was going to be a tough call for them (laughs) to do so i excelled in doing sit-ups and even to this day i mean that's that's one of my that's one of my favorite exercises so anytime we're doing any kind having any kind of discussion i'm telling them we're going to let's go work out let's start with the (laughs) sit-ups if you can't get off the floor from the sit-ups we don't even need to talk about the rest (laughs) but but what's interesting i mean that that's 
that that wound, that hurt, that that pain, actually drove so much of your behavior. I mean, yes. I think it's Barack Obama who said uh, most men spend their whole lives uh, looking for the, the the blessing and approval of their father, or else trying their very best not to be like their dad. Absolutely. And I mean, I think most men have those points, those moments, like if they think back where that happened. I don't work out, I work. Where yeah. the cry of the boy's heart is there to the father. And the father's not there to answer the cry. And, and as you say, it, it's, it's most often not malicious, but, uh, but it happens and it hurts. It, it hurts the young boy because we need the affirmation of our father. We need our father to say, son, you've got what it takes and I'm there for you. You're my beloved son. I'm with you. you know? And very few of us get that. Yes. And so what John Aldridge was saying that every, every man, virtually every man grows up and we have a wound and, and the, and the primary wound is this, this father wound. What's interesting, too, is about the wound of a man. We talked about the father wound and we talked about the mother wound. Yes. How often my moms in being uh, overprotective and perhaps uh, emotionally um, demanding of their, their son, they give him the message, you don't have what it takes. So he grows up believing he's not the man, not man enough. But society plays a massive role, too, doesn't it? I mean, we were talking earlier about the messages around masculinity that that – are portrayed in society. And we talked about the four big lies. It's basically sex, power, money, and big boys don't cry. Yes. And every one of us grew up with those misperceptions about what it means to be a man. Completely. I mean, if you think about it, uh, for most men, one of the first measures of masculinity is your interaction with women. Right. And so you will commonly hear stories of and and even see personal examples of of the men who uh in your life who have like who are most attractive to women or who have the right. most number of women yeah. at their beck and call and it becomes a measure of your manhood it absolutely speaks volumes right. about what kind of, that you're a real man number 1 right, right. and that you are such a real man such an alpha male that Virtually all the women are going to be attracted to you. Right, right. So there's this delusional sense yes. that your masculinity is actually validated by the fact of how many women you you, you have. And you look at the the number of uh, professional athletes and others who uh, have talked openly about it. I mean, there's a story of Wilt Chamberlain, um, an American, uh, late American, uh, absolute all-star basketball player, uh, who, in his autobiography, talked about he. Uh, was with something like a hundred women in one night. Hmm. Now every guy knows this is just physically impossible. Right. Yet he he ha- he had to say it in his own autobiography. Right. To boost the ideal of mm, he's of he's the man. Super. He's the he's the, he's the man. The yeah. super. The ultra man, ultra the, alpha. Absolutely, yeah. and it's just it 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 leads to such. Caricatures. It really does of and, what manhood is, and it's such a lie. I mean, I, I I remember watching a particular movie. I forget the name of the movie. I think it was called Hall Pass. And in the movie, it was these four guys, you know, middle-aged guys that that you know, they were hanging around a park. I don't know if you saw the movie. Yeah, I did. And and, uh, and they said, I mean, they all had their stomachs, and they, and they said, you know, man, if we if, as long as if we weren't hitched, you know, to our oppressive wives, we we could have all these young, you know. And the wives got wind of this and said, okay, guys, you know, you, you go for it. You know, you, go for you, it. You, you got a week to do whatever you want. And I mean, none of them. I mean, but but what was interesting was the, the one scene where the one particular guy did manage to get a young woman. Uh, interested in him, and she—I think she kind of took pity on him, and she, you know, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> so there's a scene of him in the hotel room, and she actually takes her top off, and exposes her her breasts, and and she's a beautiful woman, and this guy looks at her, and he looks at his ring, and even though he's been given permission, yes, 
he, he's, he says, put your top on. No. And you know, for me, right. that is a man. That, I, mean, I, mean, that's a, I mean, a guy sure. who can say no. Yes. I don't, I don't want this, actually. I mean, that's true. So, so the lie is that you need to be the guy who can, but actually the, the, the real man is the guy who, who doesn't need that. Who's he, disciplined. Who doesn't need, I mean, who's the, who's validated you know, by, by things that have nothing to do. Nothing to do with it. And even with it, conquering women. Absolutely. So, I mean, that lie, the, the whole woman lie, I mean, the sex lie and, and the power thing to you. I mean, we see this, the, the the need to be powerful. We see it in businesses. We see it in churches. We see it in homes. The, the, you know, the, the, the need, the, the, the sense that if I'm powerful, and, and it goes down to biceps too, and you know, guys in the gym, and you know, I mean, you, you, you get into a gym and, you know, if there's another guy watching, you're going you're gonna to push a lot harder because you, you, there's this whole thing of I need to be powerful. If I'm not powerful, I'm not the man. Completely. Yeah. And so it leads to, again, the caricatures. Right. Of right. what masculinity, what manhood mm. uh, really is. And we perpetuate it. Right. We're right. complicitous in it as men. We, we perpetuate the lies Absolutely by our do. participation yes. in this craving for power, in right. this um, desire to have the most money. It's like, right. you know, whoever has the most toys win. Absolutely. And you look at that and you begin to ask yourself, especially if you think about the average guy. Yeah. Just the average John or Joe that's mm. out there or uh, uh, tobacco or wh- whatever, wh- whoever that person yes, yes, is yes. that's your average guy. Right. Look, it's unrealistic to think you're going to grow up and be a multimillionaire. Absolutely. It's unrealistic to think that the majority of women that you meet are going to fall for you. <laughs> I don't care how handsome yeah. you think you are and I don't care how much power you believe mm. you have. Ultimately – you'll find that even the women that do come to you will very often be participating in the lie as well. 100%. Yeah, the lie that they've had. The lie that they've yeah, been told yeah. about what what real masculinity mm. is or what manhood looks like. Right. And so you end up in a relationship that's basically without any substance. Absolutely. And, it, it, you know, all of this, it, we're talking about what wounds men. So, so men grow up and they look at – I mean, I saw an advert the other day just – uh, this guy arrived in a in a in a Lamborghini, beautiful sports car. He got out the car and he had two beautiful women with him, one on each side. And he went into the building, <laughs> went up, uh, you know, took the lift to the top story, and there was this pub. And he obviously, you know, became apparent he owned the building. And uh, it started raining at this rooftop pub, but the clouds were low, so he clapped his hands. And there was a hydraulic system that raised the pub above the clouds, you know. And I mean, this was, I mean, so you look at this, it's so ludicrous. The entire picture of that was he's got two beautiful women, he's very wealthy, and he's got lots of power. And he's the man. So, I mean, the wound for us, Khalil, growing up is, apart from, you know, not the father wound and the mother yes. wound, is looking at the society and, and never measuring up. I mean, we don't measure. No one measures up to that. No one. No one. Even measure. the guys that we, we don't. And it, it doesn't make us any less of a man. But we think we are because we don't measure up. I mean, I, I never forget um, arriving at my kids' school. They, they went to a, a fairly affluent school and I arrived uh, in, a, in, a, in a borrowed car because my car was in the was in the garage uh, being being repaired and it was this beaten up old you know Mazda yeah. thing and I, I pulled in and I saw these Range Rovers and yeah immediately my, my immediate response was to turn off and wait until they because <laughs> I didn't want them to see me in this uh, you know this car but, but you know I, I said to myself Craig man that is just so foolish I mean you're acting out of 
a wounded masculinity. You're acting out of a sense of, in order to be a man, you have to have the same level of a cause. If you don't, you're not the man. Yeah, right. and, and it's a wound that we carry as men because we go through our whole lives competing and trying to be, trying to be the man when we actually we are. You talked about the average do, Joe, Toboho, whatever. Yeah. They are the man. Oh, no they, doubt they, about they it. are the man. Day they, they, in they, and day they, out. Absolutely. They don't have to have. You know, Craig, that you, you triggered a memory, uh, 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 experience I had with my, with my youngest son. I had, uh, just gotten out of prison. I, maybe I'd been out about six months and, um, I managed to save up enough money to buy a car from this private owner. Um, it was, uh, a, a, like an older model Buick and, um, uh, it looked to be pretty well kept, but it right. was just a really older model car. And my son, I'd have to pick him up from, from uh, practice, baseball practice, and, and then we'd drive home. But what happened uh, after about two months with this car, when we get on the highway, we'd get to about um, maybe 60 uh, kilometers or 60 miles an hour um, driving, and the car would start to lose speed on the highway. Right. So all of these cars would be passing us <laughs> on the highway once I got to about 60. Yeah. And so one day my son looks at me and, you know, every day I was wearing a suit, had a tie for my job and everything. He's, <laughs> my son just looked over me and started laughing. And he said, Dad, look, could you at least take off the suit and tie <laughs> while, while you're driving me home? Because it looks so ridiculous yeah. that every car passing us realizes they're like they're laughing at us dad and you're sitting here trying to look serious in this car either get a new car dad or yeah. take off the suit right, 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 and, right. and i was so hurt by that yeah, right yeah, yeah. but I, of course and then ultimately i just looked at him and i we, we both burst out laughing right, because right, right. It, it doesn't matter it doesn't i was like that was time that i yeah. had never been able to spend wow. with my son wow and it, um, and if it's all about the money you lose what it actually is all about. If we would have been driving home in a Lamborghini and had no conversation and never right. laughed, right. how horrific you would have been more impoverished. That would have been absolutely. So absolutely, I, I just I, I look at that experience today, and even now, my son and I, we laugh. My youngest son and I, we laugh about <laughs> that because we 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 could see just how pretentious it was, right? Um, in terms of recognizing that it's not about the car, actually. Right. It's about the relationship. 100%. So we've got these misconceptions about manhood. But the problem is we – and that's the fourth lie, real men don't cry, which means we don't talk about these things. I mean men, we, grew, we grow up as men and we're taught not to be vulnerable or share our feelings. Do you know I, I read a, a crazy stat the other day. In the, in the United Kingdom, in the UK, the single leading cause of death in men under 50 is suicide. I mean. Is suicide. There's something like, uh, I forget, I think it's 58 men every week in the UK. Die of, of suicide. Die of suicide. And if you look at why they do, and five times more men commit suicide than women, five times more. I mean, the differentials is huge. And I think one of the fundamental reasons is, number one, we, we're expected to live up to the Superman image of, of the guys got it all together. But number two, we don't talk about it. You know, when we do have issues, I had a friend uh, this year, earlier this year. Oh, I know. I remember you telling me about this. Who took yeah. his life in his 50s, and uh, it was an absolute tragedy for But, him. Craig, tell me I, – I think our, our listeners need to hear that story Yeah. Uh, just in terms of the note he left and the thinking that he, right. that he had that led to his suicide. Yeah. Just kind of hmm. elucidate that. Well, firstly, none of us in the friendship group knew what he was going through. He hid it. He didn't – he wasn't vulnerable. He didn't share it. We, he, he was this strong guy, you know, together guy, had, had made some good money in his life, uh, sent his kids to private schools, uh, and he kept this image together. 
I mean, when we would go out for dinner or a drink, whatever, he didn't reveal a thing. But behind the scenes, he was he had lost all of his money in the stock exchange. But he couldn't tell anybody. Wow. And he was carrying this burden, and he couldn't tell his kids, and he didn't stop. He didn't change the lifestyle. So he felt a need to maintain the lifestyle, and he felt like he couldn't share it with anyone because it would detract from who he was as a man. And so in his note, and, and, and he left meticulous notes and videos and things, he said um, he, he had a kid of 19 and a kid of 17. So he left behind two beautiful children. But his his view was this. He said that, uh, and he had an insurance policy which he knew would pay out even on suicide. His view was that I'm worth more to my family dead than alive. So his concept was I'd rather leave this insurance payout and they're okay financially. Um, they need that more than they'd mean. I mean, this this is the misconception that he had about and the devastation, Khalil, that he left, devastation with his kids and wife and family. And his con- his perception of manhood was so skewed by these lies that society tells and the fact that as a man he couldn't share. You know, all of us, as his friend said, you know, one phone call, one phone call. Had he just reached out. We would have, we would have saved him. We would have said, this that, doesn't matter. None it, of this matters. It does. You know, I mean, a child would rather have a dad who has no money and no car, who works in a menial job, that he can go and hug, and talk to, and look in his eyes, than have millions and millions of dollars or rands and no father. And absent. I, I mean, absolutely. You, that story for me is 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 a metaphor mm. for how distorted and right. delusional we yeah. become in our thinking, and how we ultimately um, fail to come clean right just as men like what what is it about being a man that makes you believe that money makes you makes you yeah money defines right. who you are yeah um, and I, I understand all the social dynamics of the trinkets and having the, the most toys and right. Being able to walk into a place and and say you know drinks for the whole bar or going mm. out to the restaurant and you got your, all your friends and wanting to take the take the take the right, tab because right. you're the man if you you're can the do man that. if yeah. you if you can do those things yeah. you truly are right. the man but if that mask if that becomes a mask yeah. for being authentic in your relationships with other men particularly the ones who who you know love you right. And that who deserve your truth. Yeah. That, and that's the other side of it. Those who lo- people deserve our truth. They do. And we 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 deserve to be able to share it. There, there's such peace and strength and wholeness in that, isn't there? Yes. But we feel we, we grow up with this wound. I'm not man enough. And therefore, I have to put on the mask, and I have to. And it all stems from this woundedness, doesn't it? I mean, number one, from the dad. I mean, a dad who affirms his son, says, son, you're the man. It doesn't matter how well you perform, how many women you've got, how powerful you are or not. Who you are is enough. If he gives his son that message, the son grows up not needing this stuff, does he? He doesn't have to prove himself to be the man. No. Because the wound's not there. The wound is not there. We are able to address it when it is present. In a way that's healthy. Absolutely. In a way that heals. Absolutely. And th- by by modeling it, what we provide is a pathway for our own sons 
to be healers in the world. Very much so. This, it's a cycle. Whether it's a negative cycle or a positive, a positive cycle, cycle. We, we, we start a cycle. It's transgenerational. Khalil, it's also worth mentioning, I think, uh, in, the, in the last part of this podcast, uh, around the kind of the way media depicts men. I mean, there's been such a backlash against men behaving badly, hasn't there? And we're going to talk in the next episode about why men behave badly, what drives yes. that behavior. But because of that, you see so much in media men either, uh, either portrayed as absolute assholes. Yes. You know, the macho idiot, you know, or you see men portrayed as totally incompetent idiots, don't you? You, you see that yes. so much. I mean, we're talking about the recent movie Ghostbusters where, where every man in that movie was portrayed as someone who was just imbecilic. Yes. And, and so this is the image that, that young boys are growing up with. You know, men are, you know, women can multitask, men cannot multitask. You know, yes. women are fully competent. I mean, and, and that's fantastic to bring that message because I don't think that's been out there enough. But the contrary to that is that men are portrayed as, you look at Homer Simpson, you know, the, 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 the cartoon <laughs> character. I mean, he's, you know what, what? What's the wife's name? Uh, um, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I, I forget her name, but right, it's, right. It's, but she she's fully together. She is so well. But he's kind of such together. an idiot. He's such an idiot. I mean, he can't string a sentence together. Emotionally incompetent. I mean, a total imbecile. There was another uh, sitcom, Married with Children. I don't know if you remember yes. that one. I mean, that's uh, that guy too. He was such an imbecile, wasn't he? He was just a a useless man, useless father. And, and that's how men are often being portrayed. Yes, and and you know the the. Interesting thing about that to me, uh, it triggers um, a um, memory that I have about when I first uh, heard about there was a movie in America called The Color Purple. Right. And uh, it was a sensational uh, commercial hit. Uh, Oprah Winfrey did it. Uh, starred in it was just an amazing story. And it focused on uh, African-American, the African-American experience. And um, the the man in the movie, the main male uh character was a guy named mister right and um what ended up happening is that mister was was revealed to be uh, a person who was um molesting his own uh children his own family i mean it was he was he was such a a psychologically wounded man um that he committed some really horrific acts of 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 sexual abuse and um, gender-based violence. I mean, this was a right. classic case of it. And there was a huge, huge debate in the African-American community around this movie. And it created quite, quite a bit of consternation on the part of many African-American men. And one of the things that came up uh, in discussions around this movie was that for too long in the African-American community... Uh, we have been unwilling to acknowledge this kind, this level of abuse going right. on within our families. Right. Um, it's been like this uh, shame. This, this, it's the shame and and the secrecy around it. And and I I couldn't help but think how many women grew up holding themselves responsible hmm. for men who abused their power as as men and right. who. Who, who committed these horrific acts. So, and I'm saying that to, to basically say to our listeners, we're not trying to duck responsibility right. for the, for the, um, the abuse that we commit as men. We're yeah. saying that, you know what? No excuses. Right. There are no excuses. As men, we step up to the plate. And I personally, I mean, I take the position of, of Maya Angelou. Nothing human is foreign to me. Right. So when a man, 
behaves poorly, when a, when a man is abusive and um, sexually violent against uh, anyone, then as a man, I'm perfectly prepared to say that I take ownership for being part of the solution. Right. I cannot be held individually accountable for mm. his individual mis- misbehavior, his individual abuse. But what I can do mm. is say that I am going to make myself accountable for being an, yeah. an example of how men should conduct themselves. Right. And so we want our listeners to know, the men who are listening, please don't think that because it's not you personally hmm. who's doing this uh, horrific behavior or, or abusing women or you don't recognize yourself in that scenario that men are hashtag men are trash. Don't take that personal. Mm-hmm. What you ought to take personal is the fact that you share in the responsibility right. to be a better example. Right. And Khalil, I think it's so important to, to look at the average guy, you know, the guy who is, is not – um, abusive, he's not you know he's not particularly bad in any way. But to for us each as men to actually look at ourselves inside and say, you know, inside me is a boy, and that boy had needs growing up, and that boy had questions, and he he brought the questions to his father, and in the absence of the father, he brought them to his mother, and, and he brought them to the media and to the world, and and in many ways, in almost no man have those questions been properly answered, and so the average guy carries the sense of. Am I really enough? Yes. A- am I enough? And in the extreme case of what you're talking about now, where, where men re- resort to abuse, I mean, that, that's a power thing, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a need to express power, aggressive violence. Why? Because I don't feel like I'm enough. I need to prove myself as a man. Precisely. And I, and I think all of us as men need to just look in the mirror and say, you know, I carry a wound. There, you know, I, I, there are times when I don't feel man enough. When I'm next to a very manly man in the worldly sense, I, I feel like I'm not quite enough. When I see a guy who's driving a car better than mine, I, I feel inadequate. When I feel a guy's got a very beautiful, uh, I don't feel enough. And, and this, I think, is so important for us as men to, we all carry this, all of us. Yes. Even the, the super athletes that you were talking about, I mean, they still feel a need to go out there and, uh, and get more women and have more sex and more. Why? Because they still feel inadequate. inadequate. We look at them and they muscle and they're successful and they're wealthy, but they still feel less than. Look, because you can tell. You can tell it, Craig. You can see it. You here. Here. Here it is. You. You have a professional athlete. Uh, his. He's got a wife. He's got children. Uh, he travels around the country and around the world playing sport, being paid millions and sometimes tens and hundreds of millions of dollars for, for his talent, and has a woman in every city. Right. Has what? a woman at every at, at every place that they have a game. He's he's quite content. Uh, and then actually in some cases compete with some of his his peer right. his peers on how many women they can have. And and and, and that I, I I just think that that comes out of mm. the woundedness and Absolutely. this whole kind of uh, maniacal desire for power. Right. Th- those men are not okay. No matter what it looks like on the outside, they're n- inside they're not okay. And in that sense, they reflect the average guy who also doesn't feel quite okay inside. And I think, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on in, in, in forthcoming podcasts to, to what is the solution for this? How do we find healing for ourselves? But I think, you know, for us to give permission to every man to look inside and say, you know what, inside me, to some degree or another, inside this strong, mature man is a wounded boy. And sometimes a wounded boy does things which are not uh, rational or good, or sometimes a wounded boy makes me feel in a way that's not great. 
uh, I feel less than, and I and I can't share it because you know the world says that you know men, real men don't cry. I think that's we need to give ourselves permission. We are wounded, and, and we and that is exactly right, Craig. And you know what? We we have to ask ourselves very seriously and be deeply reflective about um, what has informed our idea of masculinity. Right. And I and clearly, if if you have relied on the media, popular culture. To define what real masculinity is, what healthy manhood looks like, you are in a lot of trouble. Absolutely. You are going to damage a lot of people, particularly the ones who you say you love. Starting with yourself. Starting with you. And I think that's the key. You know, for us to realize, gosh, we've grown up in this world, which is not perfect. We've grown up imperfectly fathered, imperfectly mothered, and we carry this inside us. And how do we, as men, deal with this, almost refather ourselves and get to a point where we are behaving as true men. So, Khalil, I think we, we've come to the end of the time, but what a, what a fantastic conversation. Next uh, podcast, we'll talk about why men behave badly. Looking forward to it. In a country where one in two women are victims of abuse, it's important that we take the time to discuss a way forward, man to man. Carling Black Label is a proud sponsor of Man to Man Talks with myself, Craig Wilkinson, and Khalil Osiris. Drink responsibly, not for sale to persons under the age of 18. This is CliffCentral.com.